Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's October 4th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you for the Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers met expectations this past weekend, falling to the Packers 27 to 17, and in doing so, validated our half-serious idea to just relabel last week's episode with this week's date and call it a day. Where are you on this? Resigned to an ignominious season, we understand. But if you're full of pent-up rage, we have a healthy outlet to vent those emotions. Then that outlet is Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform where you can scream into the ether of the internet for as long as you want to take out your rage over uh, the denial we may all be in over the Steelers crumbling, but... You can also go to Spotify Green Room in the coming years here to celebrate the Steelers' inevitable Phoenix-like rise from the ashes. You can talk to fans, athletes, podcasters, insiders in real time. It's perfect for debates and post-game breakdowns and uh, soggy sorrows, to borrow a part of my take saying right there. It's a free app, and all you got to do is download it in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. All right, 27-17, and maybe the worst part about this contest was the ray of hope we let flicker (laughs) in the charcoal of our Steeler grill. Okay, so let me ask, is the ray of hope the Deontay touchdown, or was it the field goal touchdown that got called back unfairly? No, the the Deontay touchdown somewhat early in the game. Uh, very early on the first drive, breaking the 13-game scoring streak. And based after that, I typed out a tweet that I forgot to send until later in the game uh, because I'm, I'm staying off the tweet machine a little bit during this, uh, during this phase of the Steelers' downfall right now because I'm seeing a lot of sad things, you know, a lot of fans who just can't accept reality, and they're trying to blame – Ben or they're trying to defend Ben or blame Canada or defend him or this offensive line or if we just do this, if we just move this piece around. People, there are no pieces to move around. The Steelmen are not good. They got a lot of good players, but they're not a good team. And I forgot to send this tweet, but it basically was, if we get one of those vintage Ben touchdowns per week, like the one he threw to Deontay, I'm good there. It is just shocking how many wide-open throws he misses, especially throws that should be 80- and 90-yard touchdowns. Once again, Dad, you said it at the top of the podcast. Refer to last week. We almost just wanted to print last week's podcast. He's going to miss wide-open throws that are touchdowns. He misses at least two of those every week. He's been on pace. He stayed on on that pace against the Packers. He's going to have at least one Jameis Winston esque uh, turnover where he just has no idea how many people are around him in the pocket. 
Check. He had that fumble early in the game. He's just, and then he's just going to look unbelievably uncomfortable with the pass rush, which partially is legitimate because the line is bad, even though they were fine yesterday against the backup Green Bay defensive line because they had the Smith brothers were out. Um, yeah, and he did that. Check, check, check. So I'd say the positive thing is that you and I are here doing the podcast together once again. But as long as we get one of those touchdowns where there's at least some highlights for Ben to maintain some pride, that to me is a win. So we should say we should highlight what is different from last week. I want to start out with something because I just uh, I got an IM from a colleague here at work whose husband's from the Berg who's saying fire Tomlin, which we have seen a million yeah, and a, a half time in the last, yeah, last coach week. Yeah, coach or quarterback. That, everything is coach and quarterback, thanks to ESPN and the, and the announcers for every CBS and NBC game peddling that hilarious narrative. And uh, my response was, is your report ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to remember, I mean, football is the king. See how passionate people get about football when they have no idea what's going on. Like, I don't feel comfortable going into an accounting meeting, taking a look at a couple figures and saying, I got it. Yet people will watch parts of the Steelers games. They'll watch some of the games and not the other ones. Or they'll watch all of the Steelers games and no games from any other teams except for some highlights here or there. And truly think that they have an idea of what's going on. And then they feel, that, well, we need to make a change. They're not good. We need to make a change. How about, the, how about the good parts of the team? Let's change that part of the team instead of, hey – it's going to take two years to build a halfway defense off- a decent offensive line. You were spoiled with the Hall of Fame quarterback for 17 years or whatever it is. He's coming to the end. There is no such thing as an heir apparent. There was the Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre thing. That wasn't a, a long-term plan. That was Brett Favre re- literally retiring every year. Like oftentimes not waffling with retirement, actually retiring and then coming back a few months later. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be – Either him or Alex Smith are the number one pick in the draft. He somehow falls to 24. Brett Favre had just fake retired again. There's no, that wasn't a plan. Patrick Mahomes from Alex Smith. Okay, Alex Smith is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? And they were, they were able to get up to 10. So all I'm trying to say is like it's never really happened like that before. And this is just the nature of the salary cap NFL. It is very difficult to stay on top. The Patriots are one and three. Look, and they're very good. Um, but – you're going to have to rebuild at a certain point, and that's just where the Steelers are at. I don't know. What do you think about it, Dad? I, I said in the podcast last week, I started wrapping my head around this on December 23rd, 2018, in a heartbreaking loss in the Superdome with Antonio Brown's last game and Ben's last game as an elite quarterback, although we didn't know it at that time. And so they've looked the exact same way in the four games this year that they did in the final seven games last year. They are what they are. Yeah, just focusing on the coaches, my, my actual response was it ain't Tomlin. And I sent her a link to the the highest, you know, the active coaches with the best records. And Mike Tomlin ranks fourth. Now, does that mean he's doing a good job today? I don't know enough about it to assess whether the scheme is the problem. Yeah, I guess it could be. But I don't think you can do anything with this offensive line and been in his current state. No. I saw, interestingly, I was reading The Athletic just to get ready for the podcast. Mark Caboli said the offensive line was fine. Okay. They were. Ed Bouchette said, no, they weren't. And my eyes told me that for they weren't. Today. It was like a 
if not a tidal wave, I mean, it looked like the Steeler offensive line universally got pushed back too many times. And Ben was a combination of having no time. He he did. He was only sacked two times. He was hit five times, which is better than last week. So if you call that fine, okay, you have a different yardstick than I do. But he really had no time to throw in addition to his own escapades with inaccuracy. So I don't know, you know, is, is Matt Canada unable to implement what he wants to because of the, you know, sort of structural problems the Steelers have? Are they living in their fears? No idea. But honestly, if you um, had an offensive line with three guys who have more than three games of experience and Ben probably wouldn't be as bad as he is because I, I think he's, you know, he's got fear in the back of his mind that he's not getting protected. So I think that combination totally. inhibits your ability to scheme. Yeah. And, and you're right. And here's the thing. Look, um, a lot of what's happening with Matt Canada is just due to a quarterback who hates to turn his back to the defense. It, you guys, there's 17 years of evidence. This isn't a theory. We've seen the passing spray charts. And look, they, I, and I said, yeah, they were okay this game for their standards. By the way, the Green Bay Packers have one of the worst defensive fronts in the entire league, and they only have two good players, Zadarius and Preston Smith, and neither one of those guys played. I mean, Preston Smith went out in the first quarter or something like that. So, yeah, they were okay against one of the worst teams in the league. And like you said, still, there were so many carries where Najee Harris got swarmed by four people in the backfield. There were so many times when Ben got swallowed up. And then the Steelers lose by, what, they lose by 17? And Ben missed two a 40-yard touchdown to Juju and an 80-yard touchdown to Juju and some more passes beside that. So they still could have kept it close. So, yes, Canada is being held back by a terrible offensive line and, you know, a quarterback who can't really play or make plays for his team anymore. But that doesn't mean Canada is a good coordinator. We, the, it just means we don't know. I mean, he's trying more than Randy Feetner did. That's for sure when you see the movement in the offense, but not that much more. But how much of that is because of Ben? I don't know. I, I just – people want things to be simple. Is the coordinator the quarterback? It's like, look, he can't do anything because his hands are tied at coordinator. But then if we gave him a lot of the pieces, we still don't know. That's just the thing with Matt Canada. So I think that one thing is objective. If we go back to Tomlin and what's the issue here, a scheme like, look, the offense just doesn't have enough talent between those two positions, Right. Just watch some other teams play. Look at the teams we've, the Steelers have played already. The, you know, Josh Allen in the first game. You got, who was the second game? You got Joe Burrow in the third, or you got Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, of course, and Aaron Rodgers. Sorry about that, guys. I just had a complete aneurysm there. I mean, all of those quarterbacks can make plays. They're, they're barely going to play any teams. I mean, they're, they're going to play Denver and Drew Locke may be playing for them. That's one of the only times you're going to play a quarterback who's just not that good the whole year. You have to remember, Ben, he's been absolutely unbelievable. My favorite athlete of all time because, obviously, we can all agree he's the greatest athlete in the history of humanity. It's over. It, it, it gets to be over for a lot of people. And now the question with Tomlin is, are you going to let go of Butler? Because I think we still have a similar problem. The defense sucked yesterday. The defense was getting run all over. They sold out completely to stop Devontae Adams. And Randall Cobb, at 46 years old, had an absolutely monster day because he's getting singled up the whole game. It reminds me of like uh, what the Buccaneers and the Patriots were doing. Thankfully, Antonio Brown dropped two game-winning touchdowns. 
but he's getting the he's getting single coverage the whole time because Mike Evans and Godwin are drawing more coverage, and so you get a guy one on one. I mean, that's what the Steelers did with Randall Cobb, and I guess you could argue take your chances with, with Randall Cobb. But this defense hasn't been dominant either. That what do they have? Like two turnovers the entire year at this point. One, and they're not sacking the quarterback right now. Obviously. Much of that is due to injury. You know, Highsmith and, and T.J. Watt played. They don't seem like they're back to full strength quite at this point. But, you know, it's just – it's the same problems we've talked about for 16 games in a row. So that just leads me to the point of this. Like, I do think we are in the point where you're almost rooting for the Steelers to lose more games than they're winning, which is so weird to say. But, like, the only thing that's going to help them is, look, they need a lot of offensive linemen. They're going to need a lot of secondary help after Joe Hayden leaves after this year. Cam Hayward's only got a couple years left. I don't want to scare everybody to death here. You're going to lose Juju, your only other consistent receiver besides Deontay, who now is a consistent guy. Um, You need a lot of people, and you can get a lot of people if you have a very high draft pick. And at least, like we've said before, you do have a lot of cornerstones, which is awesome. You're not the Jaguars or the Jets who started literally from zero, so – well, I'm not sure I can ever root for them to lose. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I, I can either. Yeah, I don't. I never bet against the Steelers with the spread. Without the spread, I bet never. on a uh, not scoring 43 points. That's so um, I That's did fine. look. So looking at history, going back to 2000, the Steelers had five seasons where they started at one and three or zero oh and four. Mm-hmm. In three of those seasons. Two, two with Tomlin, one with Cowher. They went eight. They ended up being eight and eight. Yeah. In two thousand two, they went ten five and one, and in two thousand, they went nine and seven. I can't, in my wildest imagination, see them going eight and eight after what I just saw no. over the last three weeks. I agree. But I wonder what we would have been saying back then. Were they horrendous or were they just playing top tier? No, you know, sort of the no top I can tell teams? you right now. I look at the last my the season when I went from loving Ben Roethlisberger to worshiping him was the zero and four start to the season. Le'Veon Bell's rookie year. I talked about it on last week's podcast. Uh, they lost the fourth game to the Minnesota Vikings in England uh, when Le'Veon had his first diving touchdown. And in those first four games, Antonio Brown became a star. Ben Roethlisberger was absolutely phenomenal. This was when the defense officially arrived as horrible. That's when Warren Sapp said the old, they're old and slow, the famous line on ESPN or whatever it was. You had one of the top 10 at top five quarterbacks in the league at that time. You had the top receiver in the league who had just emerged to be that guy. You had a guy who's about to be the top running back in the league. The, that just changes everything. You know, you do not have that right now. Bell or, um, Ben still played fine. He played well, actually, in those games. They lost to the Chicago Bears when A.B. had three touchdowns, I believe, in the second second game. You know, Ben leads them on a game-winning drive through for over 300 against the Vikings in that final loss, and then the, the defense immediately gives up a game-winning drive with only barely any time left. It was, you know, something that we saw many times over that Killer B era. Steelers get a comeback win. They leave too much time on the clock. The defense completely chokes. So there was much more hope. Uh, in those eras than there is now. And all that I can think of in terms of of believing they could, quote-unquote, turn this around, and what I mean by turn around is, is get to around 500, the only thing backing that up is the fact that they've done it before. But 
they didn't do it with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, right? which is where Ben is right now, which is where Peyton Manning was, which is where Dan Marino was. Everybody gets to that point, you know? And that is the difference because we have seen poor offensive line play before. Um, as far as the rest of the team, what's your assessment of the, receiver, the receivers yesterday? I think that Deontay Johnson, it's just so exciting with him. I mean, that touchdown that he had over Jair Alexander, that's one of the very, very best corners in the entire league. And his ability to stack him, then bend out, get that little quick push off, make that catch was beautiful. He had a lot of really nice plays. He's just a guy where you're going to have to accept there's going to be a bonehead thing that happens every once in a while, like when he lost the first down. But then again, that's what people do when they're pushing too hard to make a play, right? So obviously, James Washington was very good. He's the same guy he always is. When there's people saying James Washington needs more playing time, it's just the same symptom. I, I, things aren't going wrong. I see a guy making a catch. Listen, you saw Juju wide open for 100 yards and two touchdowns worth of catches, right? It wasn't Juju's fault that he didn't get those numbers. He got open. You know he's catching the ball. He never drops the ball in those type of plays. It's not Washington. It, you know... It's the rest of the offense. And once again, not blaming it all on Ben, but I'm saying the reason why you could believe in those other years where they were owned for, even though the roster wasn't that great, was, man, you just have this atomic bomb at quarterback. And the way that the uh, NFL is structured with the rules is that a, a, an amazing quarterback can make up for things like that. And so it's not Ben that's just holding them back from these things. Look, the defense isn't playing well. They're getting run on by the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, we know the line. And then the receiver is just to, to finish up the question. They're like, they have good receivers. You know, I thought Najee was very good again. Yeah, so Najee had 62 yards on 15 attempts. He did have a, um, a long of 11. He finished with 29 yards receiving. So, pretty so good many there. Of the, yeah, you got to watch it though, right? Because how many of those carries did he get hit by three guys at the line of scrimmage, four, five guys jump on, and he is driving his legs and he moves the pile for a four or five-yard gain? I mean, it, he's, he's playing great. The only thing you worry about now is with this many holes on the roster – and with more holes that are going to open up after this year, you may not, <laughs> you may not have the Super Bowl window as soon as, uh, you know, you may. In time for to, to use it to take advantage of yeah, his talent. Yeah, because he's done in five years, right, Off yeah. uh, in terms of being highly productive or in terms of being, hey, it's five years. You do need a new contract but you're not going to be as good as you were when you were worth that money, right? So right now the draft pick is looking a little, a little bit risky. And look, there, there are like – there are some small chances. Yeah, what if they did get an Aaron Rodgers next year? That, there's a small chance that like Aaron could still end up being in Green Bay, which I think is still a legitimate chance. And then if the Steelers – if they draft in the top five and they get a star starting lineman or they get that center from Iowa, kick Kendrick Green to – guard and you know whatever it is i'm just throwing out all the theories everybody's talking about on the internet there is some way where they could salvage a lot of this get rogers and be a much better team but then there's also an equal you know chance that the steelers could 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 take a few years to build this up and the thing that worries me the most is kevin colbert retiring and that, that's the one thing. I think if Kevin Colbert sticks around, you could say what you want about Tomlin and the scheme and this and that. Look, the fact that Aaron Rodgers made the love eyes at him during the game and Mike Tomlin made them back tells you everything you should know. And Aaron Rodgers said after the game, 
everything that I've heard from my friends who have played on the Steelers is consistent with the national opinion of Tomlin. He is beloved. Everybody loves this guy. And they love playing for him, and he can motivate. That is a massive thing for a head NFL coach. A lot of coaches talk about this when they go on Pat McAfee's show or part of my take when they're new head coaches. The hosts will ask them, like, what's it like being a new head coach? And they always say the same thing. You'll be shocked at the amount of non-football stuff you have to deal with as a head coach. There's so much organization going, right? We've said, you and I, for a few years in this podcast, the coordinators are kind of the issue, right? If you could get a coordinator on the offensive defensive side of the ball who are a little bit better strategically, then Mike Tomlin, with all the things he does, you're not going to find a better head coach than that outside of Bill Belichick, and you can't have Bill Belichick. So to me, it, like I'm not saying he never does anything wrong, but this is clearly such a systematic issue, and there's so many holes on the, on the roster. To have nobody on an offensive line and, and not have a star quarterback, that's hard. And that is the argument for Aaron Rodgers not coming to the Steelers because he exactly. had a front row seat to what yeah. would be protecting him next year. Right. But you could get more people by the time that happened. We now, got more people. You have to get good people. That's you have the to key, get good right? people, and then you're getting his salary, which is not 16 million, which is not Ben's pay cut, you know? Well, next year's the year to do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, well, talk, let's talk about this then. Because, I mean, Ben's going to be the big story. He's the quarterback. You're going to have to take it, obviously. We're talking about Mike Tomlin. He's the coach. He's taking it as well. Now, with some of the skill position players in Matt Canada, we won't know how good they are. How good is Claypool until he gets a number of more opportunities? We know how good Juju is. He looks like the same guy he's always looked at. People forget. I put out a tweet yesterday saying Juju deserves to get some crap for the TikTok stuff. Like we should be able to give him crap about that. But only – so much. The, the amazing player that he is, the post-game interview, when he put those misses on himself, he says, no, it's not on the offensive coordinator, it's not on the line, it's not on the quarterback, it's on me. Like, he's just being such a professional and hanging in there. And if he keeps that up through this whole year, that just says so much about the guy. We know Juju Smith-Schuster is really good. People just get mad at him because he's cringy. We should just be able to say he's awesome and cringy sometimes. And it's just unfortunate that he came after maybe the best receiver in the history of the freaking world with AB, right? So you get compared to him. So we'll see what those guys are about. But, okay, what about benching Ben, Dad? Like, I don't think it solves anything. Like, maybe – I actually do think Mason Rudolph would do slightly better, slightly better than Ben. We know he's super immobile and you're playing behind this line. But he might hit a couple passes downfield. But what's that going to do? What does that add? One or two wins? to a lost season anyways. And then that's embarrassing for Ben. And I thought about it and asked myself why I'm in favor of it. I think it's just for entertainment value. I just want to see, we already know what Ben's going to do. It's not going to be much. The thing that Mason have will, he'll pull all of the stops, right? He, he will take the hits. He will do what he's told from Canada because he's got something to prove. So it's sort of prove it for him. And that's the reason. I, I agree. Is he going to win games? He's got the same crappy offensive line, and he's he's not, not Ben. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not Ben, and he's not. I horrific, think, but he could. But he's the not question good. I would, but I would love to see if he can do more. Is Ben getting rid of the ball even faster than he needs to? Yeah, because he's got this uh, well-founded fear 
Yeah, and he's got arthritis in his whole body. Like, you know, Mason Rudolph is like, I have no career. Nobody likes me. I will take the hits. And you're right. I think it adds something from an entertainment value slightly, except for not for me, because whenever Mason Rudolph's on a field, I can't enjoy myself. But – yeah, and, and then, hey, maybe you would get to see a little bit more from the receivers. Maybe you'd get to see a little bit more from Najee and from other people. So from a team-building standpoint, it actually could do you a little bit of good. But the Steelers, like, he took a pay cut to come back. You know, he helped them out. They got to sign other people as a result to him, as a result of him. And I'm seeing this opinion a lot online is that they're treating him unfairly. Like, they're treating him better than they treated Troy Palomalo and Heinz Ward. It's a different situation with those guys. They were still trying to build. Like, Heinz Ward was the fifth receiver on the team. You know, he was not good his last year as well. And it was time to move on from him. Like, what were they going to do without Ben? I guess they could have gone into this year with Mason. But once again, you know, Ben took the pay cut. And and, and it just I, – I, I don't know. I, I still think – I think you mentioned this before the season. Like, there might be a – quote-unquote injury for Ben. That might end it a little bit early, but he's never quit before, so it would surprise me if he quits now, although you can tell. It's written on his face. It's written on everybody's face on the sideline. They were so demonstrative. Once again, second week in a row, the Steelers know the same way that we know that the sky's falling, and that's the only thing I worry about is a crumbling locker room or people demanding trades after the season or something like that. We will see. Let's just rip through the rest of the offense sure. very quickly because I know you're on a timeline. Yeah, yeah. Looking at tight ends. Zach Gentry got a lot of snaps this time. Yeah. You want that backup tight end. You want the Jesse James. You want the um, – why am I blanking on the long-term backup tight end, Dad? Heath Miller's backup. He eventually went to Chicago. Space. There you go. Yes, exactly. Those kind of guys because Fryermuth looks like he's going to be a dude. Uh, Najee looks great. He's going to have a three-year career if we keep doing the same game plan all the time. And um, the line does not look good. So Eric Ebron managed to pull in two passes, actual completions. Yeah, he will. Yeah, I mean, whatever. That's the offensive – there it is. We've covered it. And the defense Why, is so the still kind of injured. I don't know. What, what I, I don't understand about this rush defense, I mean, we let up 131 yards, over four yards a carry. And um, I, I have to attribute it to having Wormley and Bugs, you know, just sort of standings on the defensive line. What do you think? <sighs> yeah. I mean, that does hurt. Right. And, and and then the two edge rushers are clearly not 100%. So I think that you actually could attribute a good amount of it to this. And I know I vented some frustrations about Butler earlier. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, it um, we can't just pretend like the defense has been awesome this whole time. They played amazing against Buffalo just a few weeks ago, though, and you have to give them that. So defense is more of an incomplete grade right now than the offense is for me, but they weren't good against the Packers. And then again, it's so hard to judge defenses when an offense is that bad. I mean, I think just having to be on the field a lot obviously kills you. And then I also think there is a morale thing that is kind of undeniable. Yeah, agreed. Let's just um, wrap this up with uh, a little bit of special teams. But before we go there want to remind you where you can have a discussion about this in a civilized manner with well-informed people. Spotify Green Room lets you have a civilized discussion 
or an uncivilized discussion about sports. It's a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to insiders, podcasters, fans, athletes, bench warmers, stars, maybe. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you got to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS store, create a profile, link your Twitter, scream into the void, and join the group. I am purposefully going to start with a negative because I would like to end on some kind of crescendo. Yeah. Our punting, mm. still not quite where it is. So Arvin had three punts for 102 yards, an average of 34. Now, he did the, – the problem was that he had a 20-yard punt from the Steelers' 20. That's not good. That's the that's not good. He did have two other punts that you know he did his job. He got the he got the ball within the the twenty. That makes me a little nervous. But again, Definitely. fourth game. Um, I don't know how long you can attribute jitters or, or first year guy stuff to the punter, but yeah. something to watch out for. Let us never ever take for granted Chris Boswell. Yes, he's the man. And Harvin, you're right. Look how different it is from the preseason when real. Uh, to the regular season when the real bullets start flying. Hey, Ben had an amazing preseason game too. That is interesting. You're right. I don't know how long it takes for a punter uh, to really acclimate that way. Daniel Sepulveda, the only other one that the Steelers drafted in our lifetime. He was awesome as rookie year. Hopefully Harvin gets the hang of it. That's definitely something we'll want to watch because a lot of the season is going to be about watching the young players and hoping that Kendrick Green and Dan Moore and and Harvin and, and Najee and all of these guys, Fryermuth, hoping that they progress, right? Make sure, okay, Sutton's still good. This might be a long-term solution at cornerback. Okay, Pierre, those kind of guys. We're going to have to find a way to watch the games that way. But all I know is that we are Steelers fans. We bleed the black and gold, and we're sticking around no matter what, even if uh, we have to find more ways to actually entertain ourselves during these games <laughs> while they try to figure out how to turn it around. And the other guy I don't want to miss, and, and the good news is he was only targeted one time this game for a, a gain of a reception of two yards. It's Ray Ray McLeod. One punt return for 14 yards, three kickoff returns, accumulating uh, 99 yards. He's had a better, he's had a little bit of a bounce back season this year. So, you know, hopefully he, he keeps ascending because he's our only hope to score more than once. Okay. So next, next Sunday. October 10th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, the Denver Broncos. Any prognostication? Steelers are lucky that uh, Drew Locke is probably going to be playing instead of Teddy Bridgewater, but that defense is good. Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators of the past decade or two, and uh, I don't expect to see much different, man. I think you're going to see the same game every year, and basically the Steelers, yep, they got screwed with the block field goal touchdown. If the defense can get a little bit healthier, you still, I think, will see some defensive touchdowns here or there. And if you have one of those games where you get lucky and Ben hits a deep one and you get a defensive touchdown, you might beat teams like that. But uh, they got worked by the Ravens. The the Broncos were in that fraudulent 3-0 category where they were 3-0, but the combined record of the teams they beat were 0-9, and then they just got absolutely dog-walked by the Ravens. So... But they're probably more solid than the Steelers, honestly, you know. So we will see what happens, and I agree. I can't root for the Steelers to lose, but there is part of me that's building up in the back of my mind that, wow, the Steelers are a good drafting team. Imagine what they could do with, like, a top-ten pick in every single round. 
That'd be pretty crazy. Tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.